Uh, I've been teaching four weeks. Four weeks ago, I taught um, lesson number one on the heart and the mind, and I really dealt with the heart. And last week, we really dealt with the mind and the thoughts. And um, this is possibly, if the Lord will let it be, this will be the end of this series. Um, but I am moved on by the Lord to at least get to this and finish this place. But I want to talk about speech, communication, uh, because what gets lodged in your heart and your mind ends up coming out your mouth, typically. Amen. <laughs> Luke chapter 6. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to use much uh, of the Gospels. I'm going, to, I'm going to bookend this lesson tonight from the Gospels, but the bulk of our lesson for the sake of your time <laughs> will come from Proverbs and James. They uh, run a surprisingly similar track to one another. Maybe explain that a little bit more here in a little bit. Thankful for the touch of God that has been at our funerals, our homegoing celebrations. There was a powerful move of the Holy Ghost today for those who were here at Brother Chambers' funeral. We're thankful for that. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 43 through 45. And if you don't have your Bible, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible on Wednesday night. I want to encourage you to bring your Bible and bring a pen. And if I get boring, you can at least doodle. Um, but it'll look like you're taking notes. Maybe you'll be one of those people that say, well, I take notes better when I draw pictures. And, uh, but Luke 6, 43 to 45, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree Bring forth good fruit, for every tree is known by its his own fruit. For of thorns men did not gather figs, neither of a bramble bush gathered they grapes. A good man, out of good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth Speaketh, And this is really the four-week-ago journey that we started on, kind of getting to this place. And I believe it's what Brother Henderson was doing even when he was leading us in worship tonight. How was he naturally exhorting and extolling the name? Well, he had prepared for worship. The songs they were singing were wonderful. And it began to come from the abundance of preparation and the abundance of his love. Okay, I will say this, whether we like it or not, I think we can all agree to this. People do judge your heart and your character by your speech and interaction. They do. I can say whatever I want. You, you can. <laughs> and you might. But they'll remember. I'm telling you, they're, they're quicker to forget. Remember the old statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You've probably heard me say before, but I'll say again, that's, that's ridiculous. And you won't find that in Scripture. Because your words matter. If words didn't matter, these 66 books wouldn't. Words do matter. And people will just... Okay, let's just, let's just wade in to this, okay? Have you ever had somebody say something to you? Maybe it was 20 years ago and you'll never forget it. You've tried to forgive them. You love them. Oh, I love everybody. You don't really like them, though. <laughs> you still remember. You still remember the day that she told you your, your dress was too tight. Or, oh, 
still remember that, 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 that time when you dated her brother and she said, well, I've I got to be very careful how far we go here, but maybe he said something to you 20 years ago. You know, I've, I have dealt with numerous people over the years that have been almost wounded unto death because a preacher said something to them in passing that they did not recognize carried the amount of weight that that recipient took it with. Brother Carson, if, if you knew what they said to me and they held on to that for so many years, the pastor or the minister has zero recollection. I dealt with this only a few months ago. I was dealing with a young man had been absolutely wounded by a powerful evangelist. The evangelist was sharing something with him that he had seen and felt in the spirit. And the problem was the maturity level spiritually where the man was that was speaking to the young man that he was trying to tell it. I believe it was the right word said the wrong way. You know, we often talk about the right thing in the wrong time can be damaging. Sometimes the right thing said the wrong way, even in the right timing, can be damaging. Well, just spouting off and saying whatever you want, no. People will think that's in your heart. They will. They'll think that's how you feel. That's why we don't, that's why we don't get involved in jokes about things that maybe even the world consider as normative. They think are fine. We don't engage in just every joke, and maybe we'll get there in a, in a few minutes. But in regards to some of the things our society and world has been dealing with, some of the dangers around race, some of the dangers around um, prejudice that have worked, if you're not careful, you will engage in something that you think is harmless, wherefore it actually, if you could get to the root of it, it might be tied to something in your heart that is not pure. You don't realize it. You think it's just this. No, it's probably something in your heart or in your mind. So we've got to guard because people will judge. We've got to guard because people will judge us by that. Proverbs chapter 4. Here we're going to jump into the Proverbs. And I'm going to stick in two books for the most of this here moving forward. Proverbs 4, 23 and 24. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let's talk about this. Integrity will be tested and must be exercised in private conversations. Now listen, nobody in here wants, wants me to get up there and say, well, you know, when pastor gets up, he, about one out of five is pretty good. Come on, you don't want to invite your friends if every time I get up you think, man, he's, he's trying to preach. I couldn't really understand it. You expect me to have studied, prayed, heard from God, right? It's okay for you to... If you don't, tell me because this will make things... Turn down a couple golf invitations, I will take up. You expect me, and I expect me because I think he expects me to have heard from God so I can get up and do my best to deliver a word. Now, I can tell you there's still going to be times I swing for the fence and I, I babe Ruth. I'm going to hit it every now and then, but there's going to be times I strike out. And you're gonna, I'm going to hear them out in the congregation. Oh, bless him, Lord. 
<laughs> I'm going to deal with it. And we'll swing again next week and do our very best. Because the Spirit can draw in even when the person makes a mistake. That's true, right? Okay? But the reason I'm able to get up hopefully and preach in public is because of what I've been doing in private seeking the face of God. And I will tell you it's critical for us to know that integrity will be trusted and must be exercised in private conversations. And we've got to deal with this because the bulk of our conversations do not happen behind that desk nor behind this lectern. The bulk of our conversations happen just like this. In very much common everyday living where there is no music team, there is no energy of the church building, there is no hype. And so you have to decide in a world that is absolutely given to perverse lips, you have to decide in private, even in private conversations, that you will not allow your conversation to be perverse. You say amen. That's good. I see a lot of, uh, I hear some muffled amens, and that's, this is the, that's a good sound. Muffled and... Sound like you're chewing with your mouth full and you're telling your wife you like the way it tastes. It's good. And it is true. What about when they come up to, here's the deal, let me talk to some of our parents and grandparents. When they come up to our teenagers, whether at school or at the park, and they begin to tell a joke with sexual innuendos or they begin to tell a joke that is laced with perverse nature, don't we hope that our students, our children, our grandchildren have the integrity to walk away rather than engage that joke? We do hope that, but the problem is if we're not careful, we think that we can mature ourselves into, into a level to where our ears and mind can handle jokes. I've heard so many people tell me, for the more I've heard so many people along the way use this line, I didn't want to offend them. So you, you chose to offend the Holy Ghost by listening and engaging rather than offending them by doing one of two things. You could walk away. Brother Ross, we could just walk away. Well, they think I'm rude. Right now, they're judging your character. It is true. Listen, here's what I have found. As a pastor, I do not want, if someone tries to, even in a private conversation, say something that is off color or tell me a joke that is perverse in nature, it makes me examine why they think they have the liberty to speak to me like that. And I promise, one time of telling people, I don't talk like that and you're better than that. There's some children in here, I'm going to walk, I'm going to tread lightly, okay, I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, not long ago I had a, I had an individual and, and he's a good, good man, good preacher, good man. And I'm not speaking negative about he's a good man, but it had become normative for him to say a particular word that most of the world do not think anything about. And even many, even many believers maybe not think anything. And he said it, and my immediate response was, you're better than that word. And he said, whoa, wow, what? He was a little shocked by that. But I think that we need to be guarded. It is not, how many have seen the old, the old illustration that as the, world, as the world goes on, it decreases. And if the, if the evaluation of the church is, let's just stay this far above the world. If we keep that, that as the world decreases, then we ourselves will be decreasing, but think we're okay because we stay with the same scale. That's not accurate. 
As a Christian and as a member of the body, you are either increasing or you are decreasing. It's a sliding scale one way or the other. You're never, I've had people tell me, well, I'm just kind of maintaining. That tells me you're backsliding. It's true. Because this is a persistent fight. And so we have to guard against a, a society that really they relish in perverse speech. They relish. And, um, well, again, I've got to be careful. Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28. He that knoweth or hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. I love this verse. I really do. Verse 28. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. He that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Um... I've just got to pause because I at least have to address it. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just be quiet. <laughs> right? You ever have to tell your kid that? Don't say anything. Nothing. Uh, serving as the national youth president um, and, and being there at, at headquarters for years, we have these meetings twice a year where all of our general committee and often in the beginning of the year, there'll be first-time youth presidents that come. And the truth is, veterans gauge the respect for new youth presidents based on whether they talk a lot during their first meeting. You let a brand new youth president try to do a bunch of talking, and all the veterans are kind of sitting back like, uh-huh, Mr. Know-it-all. Be the same at your workplace. And, and they're not trying to be judgmental, but there's something wise about listening. That proverb said even a, even a fool doesn't know anything about the conversation, doesn't know anything. You could walk into a business meeting, put your suit on, not know anything about finances or projections, not know anything about how to talk in projects or GLs, and you walk into that finance meeting in your suit and you sit down and you just nod at the right time. You might not even know what in the red means. We have to know how to guard our tongues. Guard when we speak. Proverbs 27, jump over 10 chapters. As in water face answered to face, so the heart of man to man. I want to I un-KJV this for you for a second, okay? I want to make this make sense for everyone in the room so that you understand what, what the Bible is saying here. It's talking about the reflection of your face in the water. How many though that sometimes our communication is nonverbal? Ah. How many know sometimes you don't need to say anything? You can say a lot, Brother Marshall, by saying nothing. Folding your... Folding your arms... I have a tendency, I need to tell this from the early on in my pastorate. My wife is, knows where I'm going in this already. I'm going to talk about my face here, okay? I have a tendency, I'm thinking, I'm enjoying. I mean, I can be loving the service, 
loving what the preacher's preaching, loving what the worship leader, and my face, I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking and I'm reflecting. And my wife said, you look mad. And I'm not meaning to. So I find myself having to try to smile. <laughs> You're doing great. But it's the nonverbal. I'm not, I'm not meaning to, but we have to guard against that. That's why we've got to be careful not to be easily offended against the nonverbals. One of the great subtle tricks of the enemy is to get you offended by something no one ever intended. Woo! But the Bible does, it does encourage us to guard, to guard our verbal and nonverbal. How you respond, I'm, I am convinced, I've read this in, in scholarly books, but I have found it out to be the truth in my life. Brother Romine, I am convinced like never before, people are less concerned with what happens to us and more concerned with how we respond to what happens to us. You, nobody has the right, Brother Faulkner, nobody has the right or the reservation to hurt you. You decide whether or not it actually offends you. Now that can be very hard. That can be very hard because the words or the, or the reflection or, or you say something and they're, they're looking or the facial expression they make at you. Or have you, ever had, have you ever been speaking and someone sigh in the middle of your speaking? I was preaching my heart out one time and one guy out in the crowd went, I thought the devil's a liar. I'd like to just come. But the truth is, it was his personality. It was a tick for him. He didn't even realize how loud he sighed. This is the truth. It's natural for him. And the danger is when we try to call someone's personality a spiritual issue, we have to allow one another to have their personalities and try to be long-suffering and guarded. And listen, if we'll do a lot of work, Brother Healy, on ourselves, we'll have less time to be judging everyone else. <laughs> I felt a strong witness on that right there. But our verbal and our nonverbal, they, they, really, they really do matter, okay? Guarding your words and nonverbal expressions can become an extreme test of will which reflect Christ because you're going to want to respond <laughs> you're I'm sorry I'm having fun you're going to want to respond when they say something or they challenge you you're going to want to respond sometimes just let your response be no response heard someone say that they were people were just giving him a hard time he said, I mean, just giving him a hard time. He said, and I looked back and smiled real big and said, I love you. So they were so thrown, they just stomped off. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 18. Turn back just a little bit. Proverbs 18, 19, and 21. Woo, help us, Lord. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like bars of a castle. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. With the increase of his lips shall he be filled. 
And here's that big one we always talk about. Death and life are where? Uh, in the power. Almost everywhere in Scripture that that word power is translated, it says it's, it's translated hand. The hand, the handle of your tongue. I can remember being early in youth ministry. This is like 20 years ago, and I was a new youth pastor. And Brother Anderson, I went out and bought a beef tongue because I wanted to talk about gossip. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you keep a kid's attention, you shake a big old beef tongue around the whole mess. You ain't doing that during Corona, I guarantee you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We talk about that all the time, but we don't jump two verses back very much and talk about the offense of a brother. We don't talk about what happens and what... Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we can kill people with our words. Yes, we can. This is what I would ask you, or tell you, we must soberly consider... How many have never returned to the church due to offense from words poorly chosen? Well, I won the conversation. Yeah, but they're never coming back. But I was right. Yeah, but you were wrong. Let me put myself on the, I'll put myself on the uh, stand here today. I've, I've been guilty of this. I've won the conversation and done it the wrong way. Surely not. Yep. I can bring stories to mind right now. Brother Heikert, I won the conversation. I had the right argument. I had the right facts. I even, I even articulated it well. But I lost the person. And I've had to pray God to forgive me and have to go back and ask the person to forgive me. And it's a tough thing. Listen, how many know that maintenance is cheaper than repair? And the truth is the same when it comes to relationships with people. It would be better for you to agree to disagree. Yeah. Well, if you really loved God, you wouldn't even wear that. Calm down. Ladies and gentlemen, I've counseled a lot of people on the other side of the desk where I came around to their side of the desk and it was an unwise word chosen by a well-meaning individual. Something we've all got to pray is, God, yes, bless my mind and bless my heart, but baptize my tongue. Baptize my tongue that I might be kindly affectioned one to another, that my, that my tongue might be wet with the of heaven that I might speak with wisdom if I want to sing under the anointing I sure want to speak under the anointing so that I might speak with wisdom to someone else because it would pain me to consider now listen I recognize that there are people who are looking for an opportunity to leave somebody know that's right there are some people that are too easily offended. The Bible even tells us that offense is going to come. Heresy would occur. We understand that. There are some people, it doesn't matter. You could butter them like a biscuit. They're leaving church. Okay? And I'm not telling you that. I don't think we ought to talk flowery to people that don't believe the doctrine and they're so in division and being contrary. Not at all. I'm just saying we can't walk around looking for a verbal sparring match. 
Somebody said, well, you, all you really do is you, you, you preach, and typically you see this. When I preach, I preach narrative. I preach through stories. I preach a story from, from the start to the back. And I, here's why. I think the Bible's big enough for itself. I think the Word of God will defend us and defend what we believe. And so you don't have to, and I don't have to add a lot to that. We've got to be careful when we take our own words and we try to make our own words and thoughts as lofty as the Scripture. That's what got the scribes in trouble. We've got to be guarded in that. Could you consider with me? And I've already given you the disclaimer. I recognize that a lot of people maybe would have just left. But could you maybe allow your mind to wander long enough to think how many might gather around Indianapolis? You might even be watching tonight. And if you are watching tonight and you've been wounded because of a word that was poorly chosen, I apologize to you. Maybe you're sitting in here tonight and you said, I've never been able to hardly let go of what someone said to me in the congregation, what sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or minister so-and-so said to me. I'm asking God to take that from your heart and let that be taken from your mind and let those old wounds begin to heal. But can you imagine how many are gathered around the greater Indianapolis area that it was probably the wounding of a word, Brother Hunter? Well, how do we get them back? I'm going to tell you how. We love them back. We love them back. I can't tell you how many I've talked to uh, it just in the month or so that I've been, uh, I've been here in Indianapolis and back and forth. How many people that I have ran into and the contacts that I have made and talked to them. And they begin to tell me, oh, I've had person after person begin to confess to me. I know I'm not where I'm, I'm supposed to be. And I know that. What do you do, Brother Carson? I bet you get on them, don't you? That's right, you ought to be in the house of God, you reckless one. Brother Sleeve, that wouldn't make any sense at all. I'll tell you what we do. I look back at them and say, we've been waiting on you. You could make our Sunday by showing up. All heaven rejoices. And so you better believe we're going to rejoice too. We don't want anyone, we don't want anyone to be offended by our words and lose out with God because they lost out with the church. How many believe the church is necessary? If we don't believe the church is necessary, then this isn't critical. But if we believe the church, if we believe that the forsake not the assembly together of the congregation, if we believe that's critical, that's why even when we got to wear masks, we're doing our best to meet weekly. We believe the church is necessary, so we want people to be here. Now I'm going to jump here. I'm going to, I'm going to jump to James, and it seems like kind of an odd jump. I'm not just trying to do um, buckshot scripture here. I'm trying to be very intentional. A lot of people uh, really could see similarities. If you look at James one writer said James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. And it really is. It's kind of these direct quotes. Uh, one, one author said that, that James is the Old Testament and New Testament clothing, Brother Grayson. I don't even know what that means. I guess it's just, it's kind of like when a preacher says, oh, I feel an old spirit in here tonight. I have my thoughts anyway. But, but you, you catch the similarity in the, in, the, in the language here. James 1.26. <clears throat> if any man 
among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. Isn't it amazing how much this heart and mouth thing are tied to? This man's religion is vain. Now listen, I've been preaching and you've been hearing for as long as you can probably remember. We don't preach religion, we preach relationship. How many have ever heard that right there? Come on, that's exactly right. We're not just about religiosity. No, but we do believe in religion. We believe in doctrine. We believe in following the path, the apostles' doctrine. And, and, and James, I'm going to tell you part of the reason I had to go to James. Sister Mast, with these funerals, I've heard a lot about James as of lately. Because almost every funeral, homegoing, that I've, I go to somewhere, one of the speakers waxes eloquent and talks about, like James said, what is life but a vapor that appears for a little while and vanisheth away. You know, that's not all that James said. It's about the only thing we ever give James credit for. But there's more said. The same one who said your life goes really fast, it fades really quickly, he also said, so while you're living it, you need to learn how to guard your mouth. <laughs> if you can't bridle your own tongue, Deceive your own heart, and that man's religion is in vain. Jump over two chapters to chapter 3. James 3, 1 and 2 said, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle, the whole body. Let's pause here and I want, I, want to use, I want to tell you this point. The ability to bridle your speech will ultimately affect your actions entirely. You'll find this out. If you can keep your mouth in check, you'll be able to keep the rest of you in check. It's true. Let's prove it in a very simple way. Anybody ever been on a diet? <laughs> and you walked in the house and I can't believe she's making cookies. You smell them? When you're on a diet, it's like when you're fasting. Things smell better than they've ever smelled. Right? trying to diet, and mysteriously a cupcake shows up. Like manna from heaven. It's got to be the Lord's will. It wouldn't, have just, it wouldn't have just been here. Come on, we will try to justify it, won't we? Let's tell on ourselves right now. Have you ever broke a fast because something just looked too good to ignore? Yeah, but Lash, it's just true, ain't it? You ever broke a fast and then you eat it and you almost have like regretfulness? Like, it wasn't that good. And I, <laughs> I don't know how you feel, but I'm one of those people that along the way, I've, I've, I've had these different times in my life where I battled. I talked to you about that not long ago, but I, I battled my own weight. And I, I was one of those people that like when I fell off, it's like, I'm off the wagon anyway. 
I might as well eat the whole cake. Process it. Do it fast. The problem is, when you can restrain from that, you feel this great level of self-confidence later. Somebody said, what's fasting really for? I'm going to tell you one of the most spiritual elements of fasting is that it changes the way you view yourself. It's true. It builds your own self-confidence. Okay? The same thing happens spiritually through a very, listen, sometimes we think that it has to be completely spiritual or completely natural. They work in tandem. You do know that. They work in... You, you guard it in the flesh because of what you're trying to guard in the spirit. If you want to just let them have it, I mean, letting them have it would be like eating that cupcake. I'm going to tell her everything. If you restrain, you'll be amazed at how good you feel. Almost nobody, unless you're a little... Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Nobody chews somebody out and then feels good about it. I don't want you to raise your hands, but I feel strong witness of a bunch of people in this room, though, that have said it and then felt terrible about it. Ah, oh, let them have it. And now you're still trying to make up for it. Right? Then you had to flatter them for you wish you hadn't said that thing to your spouse or even to your children. How many know we've even been guilty at times of saying things to our kids we regret? Isn't that the truth? You know every parent has a breaking point. You got crazy locked up in you somewhere. And a kid will help you find it. It's the truth. My kids were arguing. Uh, this is one of those stories I love. You may have to endure this more than once. My kids were arguing the it's mine argument. How many have heard that? It's mine. No, it's mine. I listened to that from the top of the stairs as long as I could listen. This was years ago. It's mine. It was like a little toy truck or something in there down in the play area. You know, you know babe, what I'm talking about because I still laugh now. I laugh now. It's mine. I broke. Ladies and gentlemen, I broke. I confess. Confession's good for this. I broke. I stomped down the stairs. I said, what? It's mine. Held up the toy. I said, no, it's not. Actually, it's mine. Every toy in this room. How many's ever lost it and you don't even know words? And while I was on a roll, I went with it. I said, truthfully, you don't even have a room in this house. Your shirt is mine, your shoes are mine, your room is mine, everything you've got's mine. 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 Kids were looking at me like. You want this truck? But parents, if we're not careful, we you know that no one wins when yelling enters a, a conversation. No one wins. Brother Carson, you've never yelled in a... I have. And I didn't win. Even if they quieted down, I didn't win. 
Temporary wins can be long-term losses. But when you can learn to bridle your speech, it'll ultimately affect your actions of your whole body. If you can control your mouth, because watch this, if you can control your mouth, it will ultimately affect the way it controls your feet. I'll prove this to you. When you find out that you won't let your, your mouth engage in certain conversations, you won't let your feet take you to certain groups. Let's go back to the simple diet analogy. I know I've got to stop. I'll, I'll stop very soon. But let's, let, let's go to that, the simple di diet analogy. If you know your greatest temptation is the flying cupcake, How bad could it be if the calories float? Then it'd do good for you to stay away from the store. It would affect your hands not to drive the car that direction. Okay? If you start guarding the negative speech, it will keep you from interacting with people that are negative. It will keep you from watching, looking, engaging in things that bring the worst out of you. You will find this. The scripture will always be pulling the best out of you. And overindulgence in media will always be bringing the worst out of you. Scripture will always be bringing the best. This is the connection. Remember the heart, the mind, the mouth. Okay? Um, let's go on. Verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great and are driven by force winds, yet are they turned about with very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Positive and wholesome speech can save you from a shipwreck in relationships. I'm going to leave it there because I feel like I have thoroughly fleshed that out, okay? But I will say this. There's always the ability to be a silver lining to any cloud. Choose to focus on that to the best of your ability. To the best of your ability. Oh, and I want to, I just got to stop. Everybody say, I got it. Okay, I got to move on. I don't want to. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and the things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Verse, verse 8. But the tongue, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, would you be talking about bridling the tongue and then saying, and I've heard people just quote this singular alone by itself. But read it on in context. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therefore, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. And if you've ever seen a, a picture of that where bodies of water come together, you can see from the aerial footage an absolute divide because the mixture does not occur. At the very beginning, there may be a small, but they will ultimately divide themselves. 
Listen here, double speech flows from the faucet of hypocrisy and reflects a divisive sin nature. That'd be a good note for, listen, I'm talking to myself and letting you listen here tonight. Double speech flows from the faucet of hypocrisy and reflects a divisive sin nature. Verse 13, we've only got a handful of verses and I'll be done. Who is a wise man? And endued with knowledge among you, let him shew out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is pure. I mean, remember we ended last week talking about those pure things. First pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And to bookend this, as I promised at the beginning, I take you back to the Gospels to Matthew chapter 5. Where Jesus in his great sermon on the mount, in verse 9, he talked about the peace and the peacemakers. When he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. My last thought for you is, as a child of God, we must carefully consider our speech and be known as peacemakers. Stand with me tonight. I appreciate and honor your engagement as we walk through these scriptures. I appreciate that we don't have to be running aisles and swinging from the chandeliers to love the word. God, I love these people. And I love that you've brought us together. Each and every person here has context. They have their own situations that they're dealing with. Some dealing with old hurts. Some could search their heart and feel as though they couldn't really find any. And we're all just in different places. But every one of us, regardless of our color, ethnicity, regardless of our family background, regardless of our context, every one of us, We're called to be more like you. And I've done my best by the examination of Scripture trying to remind us that if we're going to be like you, it's going to affect our heart. And it's going to affect our mind. And the way it's known of others is because it's going to affect our communication. If people are going to judge us by the fruit that we bear, if people are going to judge us and either be drawn closer to you or pushed farther away from the body by the words we say, then, oh God, would you help us? Help us to choose our words wisely. This is not based on intellect, education. This is not what I'm talking about, God. You know my heart right now as I'm trying to pray specifically over these great people. Let our words be baptized with humility. Let our words be 
the reflection that we're cognizant that souls are at stake when we speak. Not only do our words temporarily, but often long-term affect those who are the hearers. Please don't let our conversations be frivolous. Let them be kind-hearted. Let them be suited in such a way that the individuals we have discussions with, we interact with, that they feel the love, the grace, the mercy of God. Help my lips to reflect the reality that I just know I myself am nothing without you. I've not arrived. I'm not there. I'm, 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 I'm on the journey myself. Let me see through eyes of love and speak with lips of love. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that's my prayer for myself and for these precious people. Let us hide your word in, your, in our heart and let us deliver your love with our mouths. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.